hear the word of the Lord from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 40, or 14 through 22. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, If any of you could break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that the night would not come at their appointed time, only then could my covenant with my servant David be broken, so that he would not have a son to reign on his throne, and my covenant with my ministers, the Levites. Just as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will increase the offspring of my servant David and the Levites who minister to me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We have endured these past few years and know that there is more to face before us. We don't know if we have the strength to withstand what might be around the next corner. And we wonder who will stand with us, who will have our back, who will occupy our corner. Who is with us? That is what we begin to wonder these days. Who will light our way and chart our course? Who is on our side? Who will welcome us home again? Home. The prophet Jeremiah speaks of a branch that will be raised. Jesus spoke of a son of man that will descend. Both point to a hope. A hope that calls us home. Our true home where we're welcomed and loved and included, where there is justice and equality and peace. It's time, this Advent season, time to go home. We light this candle as a sign of our hope, our strong hope that there is a way to go home, to the home in Christ, and it starts with us, And it starts here, and it starts now. It's time to go home. Thank you, Sharon and Adam. It's one of the joys of the Advent season is to have people be able to be a part of of the worship service, which 
which we already do, but just another way we can work together. You know, there is a great hope found in a promise, isn't there? Somebody promises you something, there's great hope found in that promise, but it depends on a couple things. It depends on the power of that person, it depends on their capability, it depends on their trustworthiness. If someone makes a promise to you, but you can't trust them, or you don't believe that they have the power to carry it out, well, then there's no, there's no hope that comes from that promise. God made a promise to David early in David's reign as king, and actually it had started long, long before that, but uh, God had made a specific promise to David that would be important for him as he would go through the ups and downs of being a king and having tremendous power over God's people. And I'd like to begin by reading this uh, promise to you. This is uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up for your offspring, raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, who, who I put away before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. It's a pretty important promise for David to think about. There's a, a quite a bit there that we could spend uh, weeks unpacking in and of itself. But if you think about the life that David would live, it's important to, for him to remember that God says, I will not take my presence from you. I will not take my love uh, from you. And that you will always have uh, someone on your throne. David would need that promise because he faced many times of darkness, even before he became a king. And it's important for us to remember that David was a real person, like you or I. He was a real person. And when people are experiencing darkness, difficulty, maybe self-induced or because of the circumstances, they search for hope. That's what we do as humans when we're in darkness. We search for reasons to hope. And I don't know about you, but maybe that's why the last year and a half or so, maybe longer, depending on what you pay attention to, has been so challenging. It's because we've been feeling this darkness and all the things that we typically find hope in have been really challenged in one way or another. Whether you look on the big scale of 
the planet or uh, the nations or conflicts in other areas of the world or conflicts within our own nation now. Or maybe something that's causing you to lose hope within your own personal life. The loss of a loved one. Or uh, changes happening in your day-to-day life. Or loneliness and isolation. All these things are darkness that we experience in the world today. And we've been exposed to darkness on so many levels, seemingly continuously. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? That it just sometimes feels like it doesn't stop. So everybody differs on what they view as darkness. But it seems to me like everyone could agree that these are just really kind of scary times for one reason or another. So in the midst or in the face of darkness, we too look for hope. I can tell this year that people are looking for hope. You know how I can tell? Because the Christmas decorations were going up way early. I'm <laughs> just saying. People were telling me weeks ago that they were putting up their Christmas tree. What? You can't do that. It's got to be Thanksgiving at least. <laughs> no offense if you choose to do that. We put, up, we put up ours yesterday and you know all the feelings started to come back and you just feel the peace that comes and it's just something special about this Christmas time that we're entering into. And I think that, that while I'm you know, making light of it, there's something real there is that maybe the Christmas decorations were starting to go up early because we're looking for hope and for normalcy and for a sense of peace because all these other ways of experiencing darkness have just become a lot for us. So now we enter into the season of Advent, which is a season of waiting, of expectation, and it's the epitome of hope. Waiting to rejoice over the birth of our Savior, the light that comes into any darkness, literally. The threat for the Israelites in this text that we're uh, reading today is that there'd be no king, no power, that they would be vulnerable to all of the enemies that they might face, to whatever darkness they could imagine that that might actually happen. You can imagine if we uh, said there might not be a president, we would be terrified, right? So as, as uh, in, in the previous part of the book of Jeremiah, There's all sorts of prophecy about the destruction of Israel that would happen. And the real threat was that there would be no king. Who's going to lead us? Who's going to help us to be faithful to God? Who's going to protect us? Well, that would be a pretty scary time. And it was also important for the Israelites that they would have a priest. The priest and the king would work together to make sure that the people were living righteously before God. And quite simply, righteousness means doing the right thing before God. That's the, the simplest things. Doing the right thing in God's eyes. And justice would be the appropriate use of power and resources given a, in a given situation. So any injustice we can think of, we say there, someone is not using their power appropriately. And we'd say we need to use justice with righteousness because that means it's right in God's eyes, you see? So the kings and the the priests and the temple were all an important part of being righteous in the eyes of God. Sometimes people were concerned about that. David was really concerned about doing the right thing in God's eyes and using his power wisely. But his descendants, not so much. And what we see in the biblical story is that even the best king, David, was considered the best king, but he still misused his power. 
when he sinned greatly with Bathsheba, he still couldn't resist temptation, leading to a great injustice. And Solomon, David's son, was the wisest king, renowned for his wisdom, but still misused his wisdom and his power, which led to corruption. Both of these, uh, just two examples of a couple of the greatest kings of, in, in Israel's history, both demonstrated that, it, that humans lacked the capacity to be righteous and just because of the darkness within their own hearts, the sin within their own hearts. Now, God knew this and promised to intervene on behalf of humankind, but their consequences soon ensued for the unfaithfulness, for the corruption of the kings and the priests and the leaders. And darkness would soon set in following the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile that they're about to face. A promise is pretty important when you face darkness in your life, especially watching your community be destroyed and then being taken to a foreign land and held prisoner. That sounds pretty terrifying, doesn't it? That's when a promise is really challenged. Does this person who made the promise, does God actually have the power and the capability and the trustworthiness to fulfill this promise? Is it just a made-up story to help us feel good, or is there something real to it? But this was the hope that the prophet Jeremiah proclaimed, that despite the impending destruction and exile, that God would bring a new branch, a new growth, a renewed promise through Jeremiah. That God would intervene, bringing hope to even the darkness of exile. Out of mercy and compassion for His people, in that day when God's anointed one would come, they would receive a new name as a people. The Lord is our righteousness. And this was the hope that unfortunately those who heard Jeremiah's prophecy did not come to experience. That Christ has come. First as a child and then as a bold and compassionate rabbi. Now as the resurrected king and priest. The mercy and compassion of the Lord brought about the promise then. And the mercy and compassion of the Lord brought about the fulfillment of God's promise to David. And the mercy and compassion of Christ will continue to bring new life to each of our hearts despite any darkness that we could ever face. That's the threat that we face now, isn't it? That the darkness within our own hearts say nothing of any outside experience, that the darkness of our own hearts is what keeps us captive. It leads us to isolation and exile. It's clear that we as humans aren't able to cleanse ourselves of sin, to live righteous and just lives. We lack the capacity to be faithful to God and to walk in the light, and maybe this is the hardest part. You may feel like you live very just lives, that you do the right thing in God's eyes, but still worry and fear come from trying to find hope within our own power. Anxiety and depression are also rooted in that same place of depending upon our own wisdom, our own capacity, our own power and strength to lead us through the darkness that we're experiencing. And you know what that causes deep within our hearts? Anguish. 
Because we don't have the strength. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the power. But what we do have is a Savior who can bring light and new life into any circumstance that we find ourselves in. We turn instead to different things for hope. We might look for success or comfort or good health to find reasons to hope. We might even turn to laws or social movements for hope and justice in the world, but that will never bring peace to our souls, the peace that seems to be so elusive. And again, we read in Scripture that we're not able to free ourselves of the darkness. In Ecclesiastes, this. Uh, Solomon, ironically, says, Surely there is no one on earth so righteous as to do good without ever sinning. And in Romans, Paul says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there, for there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So within this darkness of our lives. We look for hope. And it becomes critical that we lean on the promises of God as found in Scripture, and that we find hope by looking back to what God has done for us in the past, and anticipate that God will act again on our behalf in the future. That's the essence of hope, that God has made a promise to all of us who believe and that we can learn those promises from God's Word. And that we can learn to trust God to fulfill those promises. Believing that He is who He says He is. That He has the power, the capacity, and the trustworthiness to bring about the future that He promises to us. So it's, a, it's within these times of great uncertainty and vulnerability and fear that we actually have the greatest opportunity to decide to trust Jesus. And to see the ways that He transforms us. To see the unexpected ways that He shines light into whatever darkness we are experiencing. Because again, I doubt any of us is experiencing uh, the darkness of destruction of our hometown and exile. But it's within our own hearts that we are captive. That darkness becomes an opportunity to see the light of Christ shining within us. And the only thing that we can do, friends, each one of us, is to choose to walk in the light of Christ and to keep our eyes fixed on Him and to say, God, I'm going to trust You in this difficult season, but You're going to have to show me what You can do. You're going to have to show me that uh, You're trustworthy. I can say this with confidence because I've experienced these opportunities in life. This is my third time now. I'm currently experiencing that. It feels, everything feels hard. I've gone through just a, a difficult time, which I've been very vocal with you about in terms of how it's related to the church, but also just as a person, as a man, as a father, as a student. And it's felt sort of like needing to walk through the darkness so that I can learn to trust Jesus on a much, much deeper level. And you know what? Nobody, including me, likes to see the darkness within our hearts. I don't like to see that. I would much rather find a reason to, to say it's somebody else's fault. But instead, 
Because of our faith in Christ, we can say, I see that darkness within me. That's not who I am. I'm going to let the the light of Christ shine in that spot especially so that I can have hope in what Jesus would do in this next season, but also for the rest of my life, the rest of your lives. We can't experience that depth of transformation and learning to trust Jesus with that kind of radical trust unless we not only walk through, but also face the darkness. Whatever it is. And most often for us, it's our response to our circumstances. This is the hope that we have as Christ's beloved. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God says, call to me and I will answer you. We read in the Psalms, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. And in Galatians, as we read earlier, we said when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so we may receive adoption as His children. And because you are children of God, because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that we could cry out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You are no longer an exile. You are no longer captive to whatever darkness is within your heart. But instead, you are a child of God. God's promise to each of us as we give our hearts to Him that He'll be there to lead us. He'll be there to shine light into the darkness of our lives, whether it's within our hearts or around us. And He invites us then to look back. As He said to David, look back at what I've done for you. I brought you from a, a pasture, leading sheep and made you into a great king. And I've been with you. I'll give you rest from your enemies as I have in the past. I will do that. And my love, no matter what your failings or your shortcomings might be, my love will never be withdrawn from you. You will face darkness, but my presence, my power, my love are steadfast, and I will deliver you. Friends, on this first week of Advent, may we celebrate this truth that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Thanks be to God. Amen.